just kidding. Uh, this is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you live from the Florida Keys. I've just been uh, doing a little tweaking with this. I realize that I shouldn't play the music that long. Just use a little quick intro. You know, you hear that music, you know, it's Keys bartender. It's going to come on. It's going to be pretty mediocre. No, no, no. Try to be up to date. Try to be uh, contemporary, contemporaneous. But uh, here we are in the Florida Keys. It's uh, July 7th. We made it to a July 4th. All of uh, Miami-Dade County and Broward County and Palm Beach County did not make their way to the Florida Keys. At least, um, you know, it was kind of busy. It was busy for the 4th. It was traditional. Busy, not um, other people may object to the characterization that we were inundated. I, I don't think we were inundated. Uh, the up-to-date, I know, you know, I, I am cognizant that you guys, wherever you're listening, in any part of the world, most of you are going through the similar things we have. But what's unique with the Keys is that we are just a long, thin stretch of island that's connected to the mainland by a highway. So, it's a continuation. It's a lifeline. It's free-flowing. It's not like airplanes and things like that. Uh, when you, for, an, for a chain of islands, we are connected. There's 43 bridges uh, that connect us all the way down to Key West. So whenever anything were, let's say we were getting threatened by a hurricane down here, people go, the movement goes north. And when things, uh, you know, holidays come up and, and, things people want to do in the water, people migrate south down the Keys. And uh, so we're just, um, just to reiterate, there is a, let's say, there's about 18 miles of, uh, called the stretch. The one access, there's two accesses uh, to the Keys, one's Cartsell Road. But the, I hesitate to say, the main one uh, comes, uh, they both, start around the same place, right around Florida City. One goes a little farther north, Cardsout Road, and it takes you to the top, very, very, very top of the Keys, slightly south of uh, the farthest part of our, our reach is the uh, um, Ocean Reef community, the gated community there. And the, the stretch that is the Highway US-1 uh, goes a little further south, about 14 miles south, and takes you into uh, North Key Largo, around mile marker 107, let's say. So, we've had all these things, we've, you know, I guess you're obvious, you're familiar with Florida, it's Florida being Florida, we are number, you know, we're up there with uh, Texas and California, California being a much bigger state, but, um, Florida has a huge growth in COVID-19, and I'm going to try to get uh, away from doing the whole show on that, but it's hard not to, considering this is the Keys Bartender Show, and every moment of every day, it seems like, when someone walks in the door, there's a reminder that things are different, and someone just said they're tired of hearing the word uh, new normal. I'll call it what you will. 
but that's what is mandated in the keys. You have to wear a face mask. You have to try to keep social distances and things like that. And we're seeing uh, subtle changes in that, even though it's not really affecting our uh, numbers. We have um, people that normally they had problems with the mask and uh, now they seem to be wearing it. And uh, maybe maybe we'll get into that. Oh, well, we'll get in a little later. But I want to recount a story and it has nothing to do with um, COVID-19. But I'm going to segue with it into COVID-19, which works perfectly. But at the bar, many times we have people come in. And so there was a group of uh, semi-regular people. They're regulars at our bar. And they're more regular now that the bars are closed and the place they normally uh, would hang out is uh, not open. So we get uh, some regulars from other places, but I, I'm familiar with them. And they're sitting together, and it's... Uh, two couples and one guy and the one guy's wife is uh, working um, off the island and she's making her way back and it's in the afternoon and out of nowhere I hear a comment the guy with his gravelly voice let's call him Albert and he says something like this uh, I just hear and this is the thing you always hear it was a friend of mine uh, who said at one time she just threw out uh, the comment you know she was talking about, I'm, I know I'm jumping around a lot, but this was a friend of mine who was talking about uh, their agenda for her for her friends during the time. She said, oh, we're going to go in, but we'll go by the pool around 12 o'clock, and then we'll have a little lunch, and then we'll have some drinks, and then we'll go down for happy hour. And then 8 o'clock, anal sex. And um, she was just saying it as a joke at the bar, but I heard that, and I just pick up on things. And she meant it as a joke. But uh, that that was that picked up, and I thought that was perfect. So just remember, when you say something, the bartenders just shut down and listen to things. But when they hear something unique, boy, it's like a, it's definitely a dog whistle for us when we hear something like this, whether someone's threatening somebody or something like that. A lot of bartenders have this innate sense, and when something uh, interesting, dangerous salacious is said it's called your ears prick up and you're listening so albert with his gravelly voice says um you know she thinks she's the boss while i'm the boss you know more like she thinks she's the boss but i'm the boss and my you know ears pricked up like i said and i said well i said well albert let me know, let me tell you this, from my experience, people who say what you just said, she thinks I'm the, uh, she's the boss, but I'm the boss, are usually not the boss. Because the boss doesn't have to say anything. I'm the boss here. I'm, a, you know, I'm in charge. Yeah, things like that. You have to remind people like that. There's people that are in charge. And you know they're in charge. And, you know, in certain situations, military situations, stuff like that, who's the senior officer uh, here and blah, 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 blah. That's, you know, you fall in chain of command and things like that. But there's sometimes when, you know, certain groups of people, you can see when someone gets, uh, is the decision maker. And there's other people, they're more democratic, let's say. But in relationships, 
it's funny people mention the boss thing all the time and when they do say that uh, I almost certainly say when they do make a point that saying you know I'm the boss of my house and stuff almost almost 100% of the time they're not the boss yeah they could be cruel they could be the most brutal person in the house and things like that okay yeah you could be a dictator but I'm talking dictators side abusive relationships and stuff like that you're a horrible person don't do that but just saying in a non-abusive relationship where decisions are being made and debated and things like that when you have to point out that you're the boss usually aren't and let me hand back a couple things about that there was a uh, guy in the reagan white house alexander haig he was uh, a military guy who was uh, i think he was nixon's uh, national security advisor at one time he was a um, the commander of NATO forces, the U.S. commander of NATO, well, he was a U.S. general who was a commander of all NATO forces at one time, especially during the height of the Cold War. And then one fateful day, um, Hink, when Hinckley shot Reagan, Alexander Haig made a similar comment that my friend Albert made. And someone, uh, I don't know if the question was asked, but he made the statement at the White House press room while Reagan was away. Reagan was in town, and I don't think uh, George Bush was in the White House at the time. But Alexander Haig says, well, I'm in charge now. I'm in charge here. Thing like that. He may have met, like right here, you know, the operations room. I may be in charge. He might have said that, but what he said, the optics said, I'm in charge here. And what he did was a, a horrible, let's say, a, a very big faux pas. Because in the chain of succession, at least in the United States, he's number five. The state, uh, Secretary of State was number five. I think it was Secretary of State time. If it was National Security Advisor, he was not in the chain of command until uh, way down. You know what I mean? The Secretary of Agriculture is ahead of him. But I think it was Secretary of State, which would make him number five. So what he did, what he said, kind of skipped over. It would be like the baby in the household saying it. And then we're going to get on the, you know, segue into the baby thing. Um, skipped over the Vice President, then the Speaker of the House, the president pro tem of the Senate, and then there's the, uh, you know, so you have the president, the vice president, speaker of the House, Senate pro tem, and then number five would be Secretary of State. And you see how that predicament, he, he lived with that for the longest time. You know, he was a very competent guy. Alexander Haig uh, was a wealth information, very experienced and stuff like that. But he, his big mistake in the political science circle was to go and say in front of people, you know, he, I think I have a similar thing to it. He may have spoken a bit too much at that time, but let's get back to the, I'm the boss thing. Um, you know how hard it would be when people ask me in front of, um, my wife or, uh, ask me when they're not around, they go and say, well, who's the boss in your house? And I was very easy, very easy thing to say and cost me nothing to say she is some men or some people say that's your dignity Jim why don't you just say you're the boss how hard is that so what is not true simply isn't true um, it may not be true that she's the boss either um, you know it's wishy-washy to say you know it's a partnership sometimes 
we take her view. Sometimes I take my view. But when you um, take the stake out that point that you're the boss in a relationship, then there's several things that you're assuming. You're assuming responsibility for everything that's right and wrong. All the decisions that are made. And you're assuming that that person's going along with you on their own volition. They're going to be happy with that. Or you don't care that they're happy with it. That's a problem also. So saying someone is the boss is not giving them a tell-all power over you in a in a you know in government that may be the thing you got to be careful who you give power to but in a relationship you're just saying it you know in almost any times you have an issue on where you're going to go on vacation what you're going to have for dinner uh what, what are we going to do this weekend and stuff like that it's a group decision couple's decision so how hard is it so uh, we there are drastic examples of people being in charge as people that rule over their families with an iron fist. And if you want to see what being in charge totally looks like, all you have to do is look at a dictatorship. And there was a movie, and I hesitate to call it a comedy, okay, because it's it's, it's based on true, uh, it's based on historical events. It's called the the death of Stalin, and it begins in uh, post World War II Soviet Union, and Joseph Stalin, who was the leader all through World War II, pri- prior to World War II, and and uh, a lot of people don't realize Joseph Stalin actually, uh, you know, killed millions and millions and millions of his own people, and other people as well. But uh, Stalin. Uh, was a dictator, and but the death of Stalin uh, narrates or, or shows what happened right towards the end of his rule. They're showing how he, uh, you know, the the things he demanded, what he demanded from people, the repercussions for uh, not uh, doing what he said to the T, and the whims, and and if something goes wrong and. Uh, someone's attributed, you know, the, the, you don't want to take under uh, a Stalinist regime. It's hard for it. You don't really want to take any responsibility, something like that. First of all, you don't want to tell the dictator to do anything wrong. And then you don't want to uh, be seen as a, a competitor for power. And you, uh, and if you're not a competitor for power, you just go along with what they say. But the bad thing with being under uh, dictatorship sometimes if something bad does go on sometimes they need a um, scapegoat and that scapegoat could be you but right at the end of that death uh, you have to really watch out um, watch closely but when there's a dictator when it finally dies when you have a total control there is a scram there was a scramble for power and that's documented in the movie the death of Stalin so Right after his death. Now, I don't want to really give it away. Just watch closely what they do to the people that supported him. You know, and how they, you know, how they purged the loyalists and things like that. And the same thing could be said right now. It's going on in real time in North Korea. You have the sister of uh, Kim Jong-il taking, um, you know, higher responsibility in a state. And you don't see him as much. And I always thought that was kind of tricky that he was 
sitting back. Originally, they thought he was very ill and he may have died, but they've just seen him time and time again. But then uh, there's a lot of look. They have uh, uh, people in North Korea that look like uh, King Jong-un or King, whatever his name is, man. I uh, There was Kim Il-sung, Kim Jong-il, uh, Kim Jong-un, I think it is. I have... Uh, I forget all these things, but his sister is uh, kind of like the second in command, and the way she behaves is uh, supposedly she's supposedly more brutal than him. But you'll see when that happens, um, you'll see loyalists and people um, once they establish that uh, when and, and the succession will happen eventually. You'll see uh, once a dictator dies, a lot of people die after him, but it's so tightly controlled and. I always see a dictatorship and say, who the fuck wants to really be control, you know, in charge of something like that? Is that a dream come true? I don't know. But we're going to move on from that. So we established we're not the boss all the time and we don't have to. So this weekend we had lots of people come in. And uh, conversely to the weeks prior, we didn't have as many. We didn't have anybody uh, make a big objection to wearing the mask. There are people that forget when they come in, they forget to pull it up. They have it and things like that. But we, Oh, there was a table on the Friday night. There was a, a table of people uh, from the mainland who said they, none of them had mask and we uh, had them outside. So if they were from the mainland, we think they required it, uh, Miami-Dade, Broward, and thing. Uh, they require it in their places, so we don't really understand what's going on there. But uh, they sat outside. Uh, that was the one. But they didn't complain about it. But then, and yesterday, there was a couple that came in, and they had their mask in their hands. And uh, they were uh, walking, and, you know, walked up to the table, and they sat down. And before we could say anything, but we just t- tell we you know told them gently, please if you get up from your table, please put on your mask. And they looked at us like they were pained to have to do it, and they looked miserable. You know, miserable looks miserable. That means you're not smiling. Who, you know, people say, how do you know what's going through their head? I don't know. They both didn't look happy, husband and wife. I understand that your life has become burdensome being paired with each other but don't you know don't put others at risk and speaking of risk uh, there's another thing that has to be probably said and that's how people how do we deal with people now some of the listeners most of the listeners I I believe trust in the uh, most of them trust in the preventions that are suggested by our experts and that's medical experts and I don't mean a dentist or a a podiatrist though they do go to I know they do study a long time but I'm talking about epidemiologists people familiar with communicable diseases okay we're going to call them the expert we're not going to call some fringe uh press person or politician or institute the expert okay for years we we, i'm not going to argue the mask 
with you. And someone showed me on Friday, they showed me a, um, it was pretty brutal, and I wouldn't really do this myself, but it was a dry erase board in front of a restaurant or a chalkboard, and it said, for um, mask required to enter the restaurant. If you wish to debate us about the efficacy of wearing a mask, we'll be happy to do that at a later date when masks are not required when you are selling, when you're trying to sell the clothing of your dead grandmother. That was brutal. That was brutal. And I, I paraphrase it and stuff like that, but I mean, I I would not, I don't wish anybody, I don't like to see anybody. I hear Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend got sick from it, COVID-19, and I had a friend of mine who's an older gentleman who um, didn't believe it was as dangerous as it was as it was, realized he was, uh, he was in the group that was, uh, you know, the most severely affected, but he, he, he didn't feel it was as dangerous as that he think people were overblowing it. Well, his son got it. Now he's in a medically induced coma. He's, uh, he's on a ventilator and, the only response, even though we talked about how important it was and he didn't believe in the mask and he thought people were overreacting, the only response I could give as a friend would be, um, I hope he gets well. Now, when we're debating people about the effectiveness of a mask and whether you're doing it, whether you, who you're doing it for, for prevention. And, and this friend said that they, they suspect through contact tracing that his son contracting it for with, from his coworkers who he got together with infrequently. And when you say got together, got together for work because they were working from home. And the time they got together, he picked it up and the guy may not be in the best shape, but he's in his fifties. So that was really, really the, um, Thing, you know, this really surprising thing is, is these younger people getting it. Yes, the percentages are lower with the other people, but I suspect, um, you know, these people, they they said to us when we asked them to wear a mask and they complain about it, they call it the, what, what do they call this mask? They call it the uh, slave, slave covering. <laughs> They're complying. You know, all these things they ask, they want you to do, like, um, they have no problem doing it. And the one thing you do for other people, and get don't get me right or wrong, those masks primarily, number one, is for other people. It's not for you. It helps you a little, but it helps if you're sick and you don't know it, you're asymptomatic, and you may, like I said, if, if you... Uh, sometimes it's a luxury, you know, being sick, you know, then you know you can get someone sick. Yeah, it's already, that, that ship left the dock, but we're talking about taking care of people before, when they're asymptomatic, you got to wear that mask. Um, so we've had uh, the less people argue about that. You had some, you know, miserable people um, still complaining about it. Got to watch the social distancing. I had a friend sit down next to a person who was coming at the bar, you're allowed to use a bar for counter service, right? But they still got to be 
uh, distant. And there was a group of people that were together. And I said, yes, you can be together if you're together. But um, they were moving closer to someone that was not with them. They came in to pick up their food. And I said, listen, you're going to have to move move apart. And I feel, I know, that's, I know it's a little brutal to be able to talk back to that, that uh, I'm the boss thing. But they're, they're starting to get it. They understand, you know, the places are closing down and we have restaurants that are closing down because people are infected and they're being tested. And our numbers are about, uh, they're approaching three times of what they were, uh, three times the number of what they were before they opened a stretch. So now uh, I, I suspect uh, this weekend did a number on, uh, so right now we're maybe in a mid to upper 300s and we're only 7,500, 75,000 people down here. We're probably, I suspect at the end of the week, we'll probably be uh, closer to 500, 600 people down here. Uh, we're doing pretty good. The uh, mainland's not doing so hot. And uh, the I think on Wednesday, they're closing all the restaurants in Miami-Dade to dine in. So it's only going to be takeout and delivery and there's a whole bunch of other places like gyms movie theaters stuff that that'll be closing so they're moving backwards because of our failure to do the minimum to because uh, i guess they're frightened over the infection rate meaning from the test uh the, the the positive rate and if you're not familiar with that it's uh i guess to put it plainly is if they give a test to, let's say, a thousand people, the positive rate was how many people are going to be positive out of a thousand people you suspect to have came in contact. And then we're not talking about random a thousand people taking people just tested. It's people that are tested. Most people, at least in Florida, are tested because they may have come in contact with someone or they may have signs of some of the symptoms. So that's the thing. If you came in contact with someone, you may have the symptoms or perhaps if you're Doing, you have to be tested for a particular job or something like that. So the the positive rate was uh, 25, um, 25% saying, but they, were, they wanted it to be below 10%, meaning only 10% of the people that are tested are um, down with the COVID-19. But then there were no, obviously dealing with that. So we've had... Off that stuff, we're going to go uh, back to the uh, drinking thing. I'm a bartender. And I had a young lady come up to me who, uh, a young lady, almost everyone. The sad thing about me, when I say young lady, most of the people that come up to me nowadays are younger than I am. It was years ago, I could say they were my age or older. But in now, as that number, the percentages are not going well my, in my favor. So this younger woman comes up to me, and she asked for a vodka and cranberry. And she ready to pay for it. She's sitting at a table, and I'm like, and she's doing it secretly. And I know what that means. That means that they want to have a drink without another person watching. And that's an odd drink to order from someone that you know a cocktail glass with cranberry and then she takes it takes her drink and goes into the ladies room which is fully visible from the table she got up from in this other room the line of sight 
and she's walking into the bathroom. She was at the bar for a minute, you know, uh, two minutes while she's paying for it. And then she goes in the bathroom with a drink. At the same time, the man at her table that's with her could be a boyfriend or husband or something like that. He follows her right in the bathroom. It's not a big bathroom, so the door is open. He's talking to her, having uh, somewhat heated words about, I assume, the drink. I assume the drink. And then he leaves and stuff and um, goes back to the table. She comes out like about five minutes later with drink in hand, looks in the room again, and then goes back into the bathroom for six minutes. Taking her a long time, and I don't get it. Like she, I guess she wants a drink, but she can't drink it. You know, the people that sneak drinks usually get, can I have a shot? They just want to drink a shot. And I think she wanted a shot. She came back later on that night. It was funny. It was funny. She's across the street. She came back later that night, and she ordered the same drink. And she she said, I have a hard time drinking that drink. I just want to get a drink in me. And she goes, can I have a shot of vodka? I'm like, holy crap. Give her a shot, uh, shot of Tito's or something like that. And uh, she's having a hard time drinking that. She takes a drink, pours it into her other drink, starts sipping that again. And really, she didn't she didn't quite finish her drink, but she's out. She's, I don't know what she's doing. She's on, she goes back in the bathroom with her drink and she's livened up when she comes back out. So it just made me assume that there were things not, uh, apparent, meaning it may not have been all about the drink. And then that same day or the next day, it's kind of blurring together. A woman comes up and asks for a Long Island iced tea. And she's at a table with a gentleman and her two daughters. I assume the two daughters, they're like nine and seven. She's not driving. The guy's driving. He's having like one beer, maybe two. And she goes, I've had a long island iced tea. And the, the second time she came in, which was yesterday, she has two. But she orders them at the bar. And they have me bring them to the table and stuff like that. And she's hiding it from her uh, her eight and six year old, something like that. That's when you're hiding it from your kids. And I think pretty much I know the guy really well. I don't think he was. It could be his niece. It could be a woman he's interested in. I don't know. But um, that that's a sure sign. You, you know, you, you have a you promise someone you wouldn't drink. And there you are. What do you do? Drink. Just that's a that's a sad state of affair when you're in a vacation uh, place that you have to sneak. Well, you, I mean, the saddest thing. I I enjoyed the 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 times I enjoyed drinking. I didn't. It was nice enjoying a drink when you didn't have to worry about any repercussions, anybody judging you, or anything like that. Um, and if you're regular listeners, you realize now I don't I don't drink anymore. But I do dispense them. And that is that is some uh, monkey to have on your back to uh, have to sneak those. And if you, ha- if you feel you have to sneak it, um, you may be in a bad relationship or you might have a drinking problem. So there's only, you know, there's probably other reasons too. Uh, you could be in a community, well, that's a bad relationship. You could be in a community that does, doesn't eschew drinking. They're sober, sober people. I know 
there's a group of people that uh, that had a uh, couple months back. They were sober friends of mine, people I know from the group in front of the phone book, uh, where the where they would be in front of the phone book if they still had phone books. Uh, they they were they came up and ordered drinks and they were sneaking them, and I said, well, you know, they know, so don't don't worry about it. So the last thing I'll have to say um, before I move on, I'm going to talk about, well, I did mention a mask, but uh, there's new studies coming out of Spain that there's no support for the herd immunity angle, according to this study in Spain, that the existence of antibodies uh, after giving it some significant time after having COVID-19 does not uh, make it less tenable that you will pick it up again. So the herd immunity idea is you get 70% of the population infected and there's enough antibodies out there that whenever it starts spreading again, those 70 people, 70% of people, 70% of people don't become active carriers. But if you can carry again and spread again then and get sick again, then there's no effective and it takes and first of all if it did work it takes a long time to build a herd immunity you don't build a herd immunity in a year it takes a couple years so um i'm going to mention this one it was interesting because a friend of mine mentioned it's called king baby there was a book called king baby and there's a king baby syndrome and it's based on a syndrome because uh think of a baby when a um uh, especially human infants. Humans have the longest kind of like care relationship between parents and their children. Re- you know, taking a long time for the children to mature, for them to take care of themselves. So the baby, when they're infants and, 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 and toddlers and things like that, babies need, uh, they have a self-centered need for gratification. They need food, warmth, security, attention, care. Um, and self-sufficiency emerges as a process of maturation. But for some people, they may be able to do some things, but they don't quite let go of that baby, king baby syndrome. And that's where the king baby syndrome comes on. And it's um, some of the things are, oh, God, let's see. I, I wrote these down. Uh, it's I'm special or unique, which... You know what? Well, you are special or unique, but that's so is everyone else. If you can recommend, um, I can't get enough or I'm the best. That's on the same thing. I can't get enough or I'm the best. That's a big thing. There's, um, let me, don't trust anyone. My needs are never being met. That's in the same. Uh, you got to get my own way. I got to get my own way. Other ways to strike my ego. Others envy me or they just don't care. And uh, so I want these other things, these personality traits they have is they become angry or afraid of authority figures. So when if they're in authority, maybe not so much problem. But when they're um, out, they they do have a problem with authority figures. Uh, They seek approval. And sometimes they uh, lose their identity in a process. So they're always constantly seeking approval from their followers. Um, they want to make a good 
um, impression, but they have a problem completing things like, you know, big projects. Let's say maybe building a wall or something like that. Uh, they have a problem, a very big problem accepting criticism. They're hypersensitive. Yeah, you can't say anything. Oh, my God. Forget about it. They have a difficulty sustaining healthy relationships. They have addictive personalities and are driven to extremes. They have been immobilized by anger and frustration. So they get angry and they just, it's hard to, they're rarely satisfied. They're given to exaggeration or showing off. So they're always talking about how great, you know, they are and how big their audience is and stuff. Um, and a lot of times they feel, this is something you may not know, they feel lonely even when they're surrounded by people. And, and they need those people around them that feel okay. That's conversely, even though they feel lonely. They tend to say, I know a lot. I've done that before. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. You have to know that. You you won't admit that you didn't know that. I didn't know that. I'm not aware of that. Um, they feel like they don't fit in. They complain and blame others for what is going wrong. They see the world as a jungle full of selfish people. When they're the selfish person, uh, they see things as a uh, catastrophe. Oh, my God, that's easy for me to say. It's all or nothing thinking. They judge life in absolutes, black and white, right and wrong, live too much in the past and fearful of the future. Have a strong feeling of dependence with fears of abandonment. Okay, well, have taken, been taken, have taken advantage of others for their own needs. Fear failure and rejection, so don't try new things. Are concerned, very overly concerned with things and money. So they always have this thing. They're very object-oriented or money-oriented. They fantasize and dream really big plans. And, and uh, you know, just out of the, just really fantasize, almost like manic. Uh, they're around their superiors. Now, these are people. Around their superiors, they're charming. But they really like to boss their subordinates. So if it's in it, if they're in the middle of the train, you can see how they may, the bosses may misinterpret seeing someone as being, you know, somewhat diplomatic and a good leader because of the way they treat with them, but they treat their subordinates uh, much, much shittier. And a lot of times they're not even in a position to be subordinates. They think they're just favored. Uh, they believe the normal rules don't apply to them. So they'll try to talk uh, about enforcing whatever they think are the rules and then they'll just not follow them. They, uh, they're very action oriented. They uh, live life in a fast lane. So to me, a lot of drugs, maybe uh, alcohol, um, maybe thrill seeking. Uh, they don't, uh, emotional pain, they kind of store it up inside and uh, they lose touch with their own feelings. And so the main thing with these people is that they should really think, if they can really think about this really hard when you're coming up, it's okay to be the center of your own universe, but it's not okay to expect you to be the center of everyone else's.
So we know a guy, girl, man, or woman who their thing is their thing and you should be concerned about it. You're not I I know a lot of people that I've they've asked me how my family's doing and stuff like that and I've just not asked in return how they doing, how your family, how so and so and not listening when they tell me. I mean that's selfishness. I realize that a lot of the lot of the pains and sufferings that I have had in life were brought on by myself. And I'm not trying to be overly empathetic. I'm just saying there's there's a balance to be concerned with other people and concerned with yours. You got to take care of your own business. Do the best you can at taking care of yours and your own, right? Because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. And if you don't take care of the people around you, then you're scrambling all the time to just meet those basic needs. Like if you're not paying your bills, if you're not putting food on the table, if you're not making sure you got medicine, you've got to make sure you have clothes, your kid's going to school, blah, 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 blah. Yes, it's a lot of things going on. But you can take those and meet those and be ambitious about it. And then... You can go on and extend that empathy and caring to other people, not overdoing it. Let me say, not overdoing it. You're you're feeling bad about someone's other someone else's painting suffering is not what will help them. Yours, you know, we've done I think you know about that truckload of prayers going your way. Um, if someone Obviously, if someone's seeking spiritual confidence and uh, problem or, or something like that, you can't do anything other than sending prayers. That's fine. But if they're hungry or need a job opportunity or they need psychi- uh, psychiatric help, there's other things you can do. If they're thinking about hurting themselves, there's things you can do. If they're looking for companionship or someone to talk to, there are things you can do. So, um, you know, you could be active. You could think outside yourself. You could try to do. Once you start thinking outside yourself, you start losing those tendencies that make it difficult for you to see other people's perspective, like being asked to wear a mask when you come into a crowded place. Oh, I just put my makeup on. Look at me. I'm beautiful. How how the fuck can I put a makeup? You want me to put a mask on? I just spent all the time with makeup. Are you kidding me? Well, you know, you're going to, what people see when you walk into a room where everyone else is wearing a mask when they're walking into a room is not a beautiful woman, but a selfish asshole who doesn't give a shit, you know, and self-centered. So you got to get out of that view. You can still be beautiful. It's all right to be beautiful. You know, people, you, you can be envied. You can be envied by your peers. But you know what? Follow the rules first. You know what? Get in, get in the pool. When I say get in the pool, start thinking of a little about someone else. Think about the people you're with first, maybe. Think about the people you're with. Care about the people you're with. And then try to extend that to other people that are around you. The person serving you. The person delivering your propane. Um, all those things. The the 
the person that's the clerk at the store who's, you know, ringing up your grocery items. How are you today? Thank you for doing your job. You know how it's not that hard. And once you're just doing one of those things, it takes you out of yourself. And I think you're really doing that, that people are that are stuck with this narcissistic. It's basically a narcissistic disorder. Um, you're hurting yourselves more. I'm not into the, you know, the, the talk about how evil it is and stuff like that. But this selfishness thing, what you're talking about, there's no true happiness to it. There's nobody, there's, there's been some books probably written or movies about people that are truly happy in the end being totally narcissistic. I'm sure there's the exception to the rule. But there's, you know, true happiness does not lie in just not just thinking about yourself in an ever smaller circle. Um, it's it's think about other people. Once you could do something like that, not overdoing it. Like I said, there's you know the bleeding, bleeding deacon where you're 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 punishing yourself in order to show you you care about someone else. You don't have to punish yourself. All you have to do is care, do the best you can. And then move on with your life. That's it. That's all that's required. And we can get a hold of this thing. We certainly can get a hold of this thing if we just, you know, observe those those rules. You know, wear a mask. Have safe distance. Oh, there. I don't know if you hear this. I'll be quiet. That's a fighter jet. Either coming from Key West or from Homestead. Doing... Uh, a flyover that happens a lot down here we got a lot of pilots that live down this area but this is Jim the Keys bartender I'd like to thank you for listening sorry if I went along too long I know it sounded like I'm a little selfish or selfish about my point of view but it is my podcast and if you are listening to that thank you and if you think one of your friends would like to listen please share it with them ask them to become subscribers and uh, follow us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram. And I'll be back later on this week, probably tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Who knows? But tomorrow is another day. And I'd like to thank you for listening and take care, everyone. Bye.